Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Too Legit. Once again, my name is Anna, a.k.a. Anna Mission. And I'm Kelsey Jandok. I go by KJ, a.k.a. Cage the Doer. Yes, and this is a podcast for non-traditional law students with non-traditional backgrounds. Our goal of this platform is to encourage and give those who are thinking about law school or who are already in law school some tips and tricks on how to navigate the legal profession in a strategic way. If you listened to our last few episodes, you know that I am a former registered nurse. And I am a former flight attendant and currently still a serial entrepreneur. So big thank you to all who have followed us thus far. It has been so nice to hear from you all. Please keep sending us your questions and all your plat- on all our platforms on IG and Facebook. Today, we have the privilege of speaking to another classmate about the issue of diversity uh, with Justin Lowe, a.k.a. J-Lo. What's up, J-Lo? Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for having me, you know, inviting me into your space. And I'm really looking forward to uh, having this discussion about diversity, which is a very important topic, especially in and outside of the legal profession, right? So. Yes, yes, for sure. Right. And yeah, thank you, Justin. And actually, just a tidbit about Justin. He is the recent 1L recipient of the only diversity scholarship of its kind in our state. So congratulations, Justin. Um, Thank you. We'll get back to learning more about you in just a second. All right. So this episode, we like to change gears slightly and talk about diversity in law school. I think there needs to be more diversity as much as possible in law school and in the legal profession. Oh, oh, totally. I mean, this is not just an important uh, hot topic right now, but it's just uh, important in general. And that diversity exists not only in race and ethnicity, but a lot of things outside of that as well. Exactly. Um, Including disability, sexual orientation, even ageisms are all examples of un- underrepresented groups in society, more so in the legal profession. Exactly. And I mean, that was actually part of the premise of this podcast was for non-traditional students and to increase diversity through students like us who are non-traditional and to show people like us that, you know, a second career in law is very possible. Yes. So um, let's get to know Justin a little bit better. Um, yes. Well, Justin, first off, um, what year are you? And um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I'm Justin and I also go by JLo as well. Um, and I am, I guess now I'm a second year law student. So it's a little yeah. bit weird to, to say that I'm a 2L and to think that, you know, by December um, we'll be halfway done with law school. So that's crazy to me. Right. Um, right. But prior to law school, um, I worked at um, an immigration law firm as an immigration file clerk. Right. And I think part of the reason that kind of drew me to go to law school, what inspired my decision to go to law school um, is really drawn from my identity. Right. Uh, My parents are um, refugees. My parents and grandparents are refugees from Laos. So they left Laos in um, the late 70s to escape uh, genocide as a result of the Vietnam War, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, they sought refuge in Thailand for a little bit prior to coming to the United States. And in 77, my mom and dad and, and their parents came to the U.S., right? And just really seeing them and, and thinking about their experiences and seeing how no matter what the adversity was, that they always found a way to come up on top really inspired me, right? And I think about, you know, if they can come up top from escaping genocide and, and navigating the jungles of Laos to find safety, um, well, you know what? Now that I think about it, they didn't even know what they were getting into. They didn't know if they were going to be safe, right? Um, right. Yeah. So, right. So when I think about that, I realize how much privilege I have to even be in this space with you all to talk about my experiences in law school, right? So that that's, that's largely what inspired my decision to go to law school. Um, and you know, immigration was what brought me to law school. Um, a lot of the reasons because of my parents' experience uh, right. and my own identity as a child of refugees. Uh, but mm-hmm. now, you know, more and more, um, after I finish my 1L summer, I'm interested in exploring um, litigation at the appellate level and what uh, employment law looks like to me and my experiences, too. So. That's so awesome, Justin. That's great. Thank yeah. you. Um, um, so now that we've gotten to <laughs> know Justin a little bit better, let us get into the heart of this diversity discussion. So here's some like logistics or statistics, if you will. According to the National Advancement of Law Placement, uh, just a recent study taken last year that the percentages of lawyers in the LGBTQ community was roughly 2.9%, whereas in the overall U.S. population, it's 4.8%. And Mm -hmm. for Black attorneys... For Black female attorneys, it is 8.6%, or sorry, it's 3.5%. And then for Black women in the community, uh, in the U.S. population uh, overall is 8.6%. So there's a discrepancy with that. And then mm-hmm. this actual statistic startled me the most. Disabled attorneys make up less than a percent, uh, 0.55% actually, of the entire population of attorneys are disabled or uh, consider themselves disabled. Whereas in the U S population, there's 8.6% of people who consider themselves disabled. And that means, you know, that could mean a plethora of things from learning disabilities, from, you know, physical, Mm -hmm. um, being blind, you know, and yeah. so just knowing that there's such a wide gap in the number of people who are actually in our quote unquote melting pot community of the country. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to like this profession, it's right. poorly unrepresented right. for the people who actually are in this community. Exactly. Um, so which leads us to the, the issue, as you know, we Iraq all of our episodes. So the issue yes. of this episode is, why is diversity important in the legal field? Um, but before we talk about that or just that unpack that big question, mm-hmm. I want to introduce two um, key terms that you, you tend to hear now in today's society regarding diversity, and that is diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. So I want to pose a question to you all. Um, do you think there's a difference or is, are they one and the same or what does diversity mean to you? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, to, to me, you know, when I think about diversity, it's super important to me, right? And I think uh, diversity and accessibility go hand in hand, right? Access and accessibility 
um, you know, have always been really important to me, um, especially with my identity as a child of refugees, right? Um, I want to be personally, I want to be able to give back and provide access and opportunity to the next person or to the next child of refugees who feel like they can't achieve their personal or professional goals. Um, and, you know, when I think about the, the importance of diversity and what it means to me and the significance of it all, I'm really reminded of a quote by uh, Justice Sotomayor of the Supreme Court, right, where she said, um, a role model in the flesh provides more than just inspiration. His or her very existence is confirmation saying, yes, someone like me can do this, right? And I was introduced to this quote from my Legal Writing One professor on my very last day of Legal Writing One, right? And since then, um, I've taken that quote with me forward in my legal education and, and, and I want to take it forward with me in my legal profession, right? Because I think it's so awesome how Justice Sotomayor intentionally did not say anything or describe about what a role model in the flesh, quote unquote, looks like, right? She didn't describe it, but instead she really leaves it open to interpretation because to me, diversity comes in all shapes, form, sizes, color, right? Uh, but more importantly, diversity comes a lot, uh, diversity comes in a lot more experiences, right? Um, and this is part of the reason why I think diversity, diversity is important to me, um, to show the next questioning child of refugees that yes, someone like you can do this too, right? So that it, it circles all back to accessibility, right? Um, and to answer Anna's question, I think diversity is separate from inclusion, right? Diversity is about diversity of experiences. Um, and inclusion is how can we bring these diverse experiences together at the table to make sure that all of these experiences are acknowledged or validated? Yeah. Okay. So um, from here, let's, let's get into the rules of this issue. So we broke down the rules into three main topics of why diversity is important in the legal field. Rule one is increasing representation. Rule two is limiting bias. And rule three is practicality for business. So Ana, you want to take us into the analysis of rule one? Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, one more thing I, I forgot to mention, I wanted to circle back with the diversity and inclusion. Um, just on a, like on a basic level, I feel like diversity is... Um, like the quota, right? It's like the bare minimum. And then right. inclusion is that added step that says, okay, not only are we reaching this quota, but we're making sure that whoever is in this, um, this, I don't want to say category, but whoever is in this demographic or whoever's in this group of, of underrepresented community, that they feel included, that they feel like their voice is actually heard, mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's so important because, and we'll, we'll talk about this when I analyze my, when we analyze the rules that, you know, you can say, you can hire, you know, two or three, you know, people of color, or you can hire two or three people who are disabled or people who are a certain age or a certain, uh, sexual orientation, but if right. they don't feel included in your community, they don't feel like a valid point of that culture, are you right. going to, in the long run, retain them, right? So it's like yeah, pretty much... Does it actually up- increase? 
diversity. Yeah, you're putting a band-aid on a big gash right. problem. And, you know, I'm yeah, right. actually doing the work. Yeah. If I could add on to that, Anna, I think, um, you know, one of my experiences, especially, you know, I, I grew up in the South primarily, right? Um, born and raised in the South. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to add on to what you said about, you know, you can you can hire diverse people, but are you able to retain them? That really stuck out to me because um, as part of like kind of like my journey and my professional journey, I used to work um, in a place and they would have um, diversity trainings, monthly diversity trainings, right? And I, part of my job description is to just kind of help around the office to make sure that everyone is doing well. Um, my role was an office services assistant, right? And I remember that there was this diversity training um, sometime in the fall and my colleague and I and the office services manager, we were all in the conference room um, setting up chairs and tables for the monthly diversity meeting. And then I remember my colleague vividly saying, oh, we have another diversity training, right? Like, why do we have to have another diversity training? And in in my head, I I was a little bit uncomfortable in the room because I was the only person of color in the room. Um, And, you know, we're we're setting up for a diversity training. I'm like, come on, right? And and I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, we're having another one because it didn't work the first, second, third, fourth time, right? Um, So then, you know, after I heard that, it made me a little bit uncomfortable um, to be around the place um, for the time that I was, right? So that really made me think about, yes, I'm here as a child of refugees, as as an Asian American, but I'm not willing or I'm not wanting to day right so like in your diversity meetings are right. you also having inclusion meetings right so mm-hmm. right my bad but I'll, I'll get into the analysis here we go <laughs> um with the rule one um increasing representation so i think first and foremost when you want to include diversity when you have diversity and inclusion um why it's important is you need to increase the representation and you have a higher chance of, of there's a higher likelihood of establishing true justice in the end because you have people who will understand more people. So if you have, there if you you go. have more like professors who um, are diverse, then they'll be able to share those experiences and teach students like that. And then if you have exactly. more students who are diverse, who are also learning for from staff members who are diverse, then it's only going to increase that same likelihood that there will be more people advocating for them once they're done with, with law school and practicing. Right. And I totally agree with that because I, I get excited when I see another professor that looks like me. I get excited whenever, yeah, I get excited whenever I learn that a professor was also a refugee teaching immigration law, right? I get pumped up because I'm like, man, right. this professor... I mean, I can't be 100% sure, but I'm like confident that this professor understands where I'm coming from and teaching this exactly. class. Right? Exactly. Right. And see, and then when you get excited, then you are already more apt to learn too. Yeah. Right, right. There's a different, there's a different drive right. there. I feel comfortable. I feel relaxed to engage them to right. um, sort of quote unquote speak, like open up to them in a whole nother it, avenue. Exactly. Right. Because there would be oh, like right. less judgment right. and less like uh, worry that oh what I'm saying wouldn't make sense to everyone else. So you know you'd be right, you right. you could learn more because mm-hmm. you can actually speak on what is on your mind, you know. 
And I think that actually kind of brings us into our second point of limiting bias. Right, right. So um, in terms of limiting bias in the legal profession and the even law school, it, it helps to have a lot of diversity because, I mean, whether we want to admit it or not, we all come into law school or with our own set of core values, beliefs, and sometimes yeah. prejudices, if we're being honest, you know, and how we think mm-hmm. and how we think mm-hmm. of certain groups of individuals. Now, if you get everyone who looks like you or everyone in a certain space in that space, you don't, I mean, you tend to have groupthink. Um, and unfortunately, groupthink is not the best right. in terms of looking at things from different angles. And I feel like when you have a, uh, when you have a diverse group of people, you have that that conscious check on our notions, our preconceived notions of who a certain group of. We have to be as objective as possible. Whenever you are writing an essay or thinking about anything in your analysis, you have to argue both sides of the coin. If you can only see one side of the coin, how good is your argument really going to be? But if you can be open-minded and objective and, you know, learn before you make an opinion that would help you in the legal field later on down the line. So if that's not more incentive for you, there it is, you know? Yeah. Right. All right. And that gets us into, um, well, actually it doesn't, but another, uh, another example or another reason why uh, diversity in law is important or law school is important is just like from a business yeah. standpoint, it's practical. Like, our, our world is diverse. And so if you don't have a diverse group of people representing you or in your firm or your school, like you said, Justin, nine times out of 10, it's going to be hard to retain certain groups of people and they're going to want to leave. Or you're going to, it's going to be hard to attract certain types of or a diverse group of people if you, have, if you cater to right. a certain demographic, if that makes sense. Right. And, you know, this really reminds me of a conversation that I had um, with an immigration attorney. Um, So I was I had the opportunity to speak with um, an immigration attorney and she was a black female. She's been practicing um, immigration law all her life. Right. And I told her about my interest in practicing immigration law. And she does refugee asylum removal and defense work as well. Right. And she had mentioned to me that, you know, one of her clients was or is or was Cambodian. Right. And they were in the process of um, a removal. They were in the process of being removed from the United States. Right. And I told her about my experiences and my upbringing. Uh, While I don't identify as Cambodian, I do identify as part of that Southeast Asian community that Cambodia is included in. Right. And I remember one piece of advice she told me, she said, you know, as hard as I could ever try to relate to the Cambodian experience or what it's like being a refugee escaping genocide, very much like being wrong or genocide, she said, truthfully, she can't. And she said that I could, right? And she said, you know, I think that the the immigration um, practice area definitely needs a lot more diversity in that sense too, right? Because if you walk into a client's home um, as an immigration attorney and you can't relate to them, how are you going to get them to trust you to work with essentially their lifeline, right? Being removed from the United States, right? Um, so wow. I think the point of me saying this is, you know, I think adding to what Anna said as well, diversity is important for that sense and connecting with clients, 
Right. All right. Um, I have another question for you, Justin. Um, speaking of communication, do you think you find it harder or do you find it easier to um, communicate in environments where you're the only diverse or person of color or uh, a person in the background? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good and a really challenging question. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as we say in law school, you know, I think it depends, right? Um, yeah. I, again, I, 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 <laughs> I grew up in the South, and I think that sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult to diversify the legal profession, which leads to more difficulty in communicating diverse experiences, right? Um, to add on to my example earlier, when my colleague made that comment saying, oh, we have another diversity training, did I say anything about it? Did I tell anyone? No, right? Because I didn't know how things would turn out. Would I really change anything? So I didn't know. And, and to answer Anna's question, yes, I did feel limited in that sense that I couldn't tell anyone. That's not a good thing because then you can't be yourself and you can't voice your opinion. And then you can't let them know, hey, this is clearly not working. That's why we have to do this again. And it's a cycle that just keeps on going on. Right. But whereas since I started law school, I think the significance and importance of diversity has certainly been amplified, right? And I truly appreciate that because it is a little easier to talk about my diverse experiences, identities, because there are pathways in place in law school to really uplift those different parts of me that makes me essentially me, right? Right. Yeah. And and I agree. And I think that's really nice. That's why we actually can even have this conversation because all three of us are multi-diverse people. And that's actually the reason why I left the school I was at prior to being at this school is because diversity did not exist there. And while people were nice to me, I, I, I was not, I wasn't appreciative of being one of four females in every class that I was in, one of four people of color. And I didn't appreciate being asked, do you speak English as the first question, you know, mm. just be just based on what I look like, you know? So it's, it's nice to be at a school where I'm not getting asked those questions and I'm being treated as, you know, one of everyone and appreciated. I mean, I feel appreciated for bringing something different to the table. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's the beauty of diversity in law school, right? Is that, you know, you get to meet people from so many walks of life. And I think that to me, that's super important, right? To me, what's important is thinking about how I can be a part of someone else's success and how I can help facilitate their journey and, and be a part of that. Right. I think the significance of diversity to me really includes collaboration and uplifting one another, because while we do come from diverse paths and while we do have our own challenges and hurdles that we've overcome through our diversity. Mm -hmm. Right. In law school, we are essentially sometimes um, we are sometimes different spokes on the same wheel. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of brings us back to that point of uh, rule three of the practicality of business. Like everything essentially is a business, right? We're talking about law school, schools are businesses, hospitals are businesses, firms, practices, they're all businesses. So if you have people, you know, that are diverse working together, gaining these clients, it's, it's only going to be better for your business as a whole 
or else people aren't going to be happy and they're not going to stay or they're going to leave or they're not going to even want to go there in the first place. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, to add on to that as well, I think there is a lot of this notion of like attorneys being a savior, right? That you are working for clients and you are saving them from their situation, right? But I think something that we need to reframe this is seeing it more in a way in which we are working with clients and accomplishing their goals while also recognizing and yeah, while also recognizing that we are learning from them, right? right? Exactly. We are gaining exposure to diverse um, communities and learning from them as exactly as well. I said, it's a partnership. And yeah, this brings us to our conclusion in that achieving diversity and inclusion is very difficult, but it is not impossible at all. And really, in a perfect world, the number of attorneys would proportionally correspond to each underrepresented minority group. So what we need here is really diligent effort to fight these unconscious biases in cultural exclusion and even legislation that's tailored to prohibit inclusion. Right. Because, I mean, we have legislation that, you know, affirmative action that makes people, you know, have diversity, like reach a certain quota, you know, so to speak. But there's not a legis there's not like subjective legislation that says you have to make people feel included. Mm. It, people will leave. Wow. That's good. Yeah. It's still subjective. Um, okay. I guess um, I can do like a little debrief. So basically diversity in the legal field, in the legal world, um, is crucial. Uh, for the for the quest for equality, as non traditional law students, you know it, it's my goal, and I and I hope it's you know everyone's goal that you know we're not discouraged from our personal experience, but see our like you said, Justin, your personal experience, even though it's different from mine, it's still valuable and needed in the space to be proper advocates for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so exactly. Yeah, so um, thank you for stopping by, J-Lo. Thank you for having um, me, y'all. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just realized my southernness just came out a little bit. I said, y'all, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm there with you. I'm from Texas. <laughs> well, it'll come out too. <laughs> All right, KJ. So um, what's next up for Too Legit? All right. So on our next episode will be the rules of law school and self-care. Yes. So, yes, very, very important, especially with law school and especially with mm-hmm. the times going on right now. Yes. So please remember to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Two Legit Podcasts. And feel free to ask us all of the questions that you have or comments on our platforms. And until next time, legal people. Thank you for tuning in. All right. Take care. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.